I want you also to understand that in the first lecture I gave, I talked about the human aura. And we've spent much time talking about the difference of colors and their meanings. But when it comes to healing itself, we're more specifically focused upon the ifric double, upon the ifric body. That is the closest energy body. It is the energy body of the, of the organs of the body itself. It is where the electrochemical impulses that um, stimulate your brain and give you consciousness are centered in. Sometimes I call it the side body and you know, there's many different types of names for, for your ephric field. This is where the chakras reside, in the ephric double. And the gross energies that are absorbed, that are coming out of your body, they ultimately have to find the exit through your ifric double. And as I pointed out before, either the energies are shunted to an organ of elimination. Very often it's the sexual organs because that's also where most people are very active. Their problems are often sexual, one way or the other. Their worries and their distresses. But also it can be eliminated through the entire ethric body, through the skin. And often, therefore, people's skin is a good indicator of the state of their health. They have all these skin allergies, the cancers that eventually form in certain places of the skin, the splotches that appear on the skin itself. In all sexual diseases, you have these skin ruptions because that is the organ of elimination in general for the body and it's localized. So when your splenic center cannot contain the energies and there's no particular organ specifically that is your weakness as such because you're basically debilitating the entire body, the skin becomes the organ of elimination the agent of your sickness. We can go into the, the types of uh, classifications of diseases and we forget, forget about the way that modern science names them. It always is a bit amusing to me when somebody that comes to me that's got a sickness, the first thing they want to do is go to a medical doctor or something and get the name of the thing as if that is in any way relevant to anything whatsoever. What has a Latin name got to do with actually the cause of the sickness? There are certain types of sicknesses that are basically due to your mind. There are other types of sicknesses, and the majority are mostly to do with your emotions, and mental emotions are terrible for most people. There are other types of sicknesses that have got to do with the ethric double itself and the types of pranas that you, or types of energies you're absorbing from the environment in which you live. All ethric bodies are interrelated. And the ethric body of this planet is interrelated with that of the cosmos. All is just one huge energy grid. If you therefore 
live in an environment where the etheric energies are quite toxic, then you'll absorb that through your skin and suffer the consequences thereof. An example of this can be, for instance, the type of polluted atmosphere of many cities. If you're near an abattoir where they're slaughtering animals, well, those fear energies are what you absorb into your skin. So you can see that esoteric healing is a little bit more than just the learning of, of symptoms and what is the right medicine to go of the symptom. Look at the symptom. Look at the medicine. But on the whole, the true medicine is the change in that person's emotional, mental constitution and where they put their body. If they're going to put their body continuously in a drug-filled room with lots of terrible energies going into their ifric body, then they can have the inevitable effects thereof. Of course, while a physical body is young and naturally full of vitality, the natural vitality of young bodies ward off the disease-bearing agencies for quite a while. But inevitably that vitality of youth slows down. The energy starts to peter out and then the sicknesses come one after the other, after the other, after the other. Until eventually we get those mind-destroying sicknesses that cause people to linger in hospitals for months and months and months tied to a machine. We can, of course, look at some other types of sicknesses um, and I could go into the fallacies of meat-eating compared to vegetarianism and we can go into vegetarianism compared to a vegan diet we can go into a vegan diet compared to a fruitarian diet and a fruitarian diet compared to maybe living off air alone and just pure water. All different types of diets have been tried. What I say is follow the noble middle path of the Buddha. No extremes in your lifestyle, no fanaticisms in the way of your thinking. You are what you eat as a truism. And what you eat is the sum total of the energies that you put into your system, not just the gross physical food, but the sum total of the environment. Eat the healthy emotions of people that are loving, Seek them out. Don't eat the unhealthy emotions of people that are full of worries and fear and doubt and hatreds and spites and selfishnesses and things like that. Because those people will make you sick. They will corrupt you with their diseases. It's interesting, and if you read the book Esoteric Healing by Alice Bailey, you will go into, he goes into many, many... Um, karmic factors of diseases it goes into the evolution of humanity and where syphilis came from where cancers come from where tuberculosis comes from these are the three prime types of diseases one type of disease 
uh, syphilis or sexual diseases are to do with the sacral centre and the base of the spine centre and physical plane into relationships with other people, with other beings, animal man. Cancers are the general term for diseases of the emotions. And tuberculosis is more a disease of the mind fused of the emotions. And we're getting more to the chest area. What I was also trying to bring to the surface is the types of diseases that come from karma. They come from wrong karmic actions. And we can look at syphilis as a, the result of when human beings on the whole were on, in an animal bodies, animal man, many, 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 many hundreds of thousand years ago, and rampant sexuality or bestiality was where they were at. That form of disease was bred then as a mechanism of educating the human beings of what not to do by showing them in the most direct sense the effects of the sexuality in terms of those physical um, symptoms on the physical organs. When you go into karma and you begin to look at world periods as I've done, certain periods or epochs of time, you begin to see group karma manifest. And for instance, I've looked at the bubonic plague which hit Europe somewhere around the 14th century and killed a large portion of people. It was spread by the insects on rats, the fleas on rats. And you found that the cause or the karma of that was the selfish, self-indulgent lifestyle of people in the Roman era, specifically the Byzantine era, where human life was not worth anything. The arenas in the Colosseum, for instance, and all the other like, like arenas, people were slaughtered in mock battles. People had slaves, and the slaves were the absolute property of the individual's concern, and they can do whatever they wanted with the slaves. People are mainly just self-indulgent, creating some of the, some of the grossest forms of inhumanity upon of man's humanity against man that can be conceived of because the value of human life is very small and so later on the whole um, groupings of perpetuators of that type of civilization had to suffer their karma and they suffered in terms of that type of plague the disease bearing agent manifests itself in the insect kingdom in this case all human thoughts, all human emotions are precipitated in all of the kingdoms of nature around you. The plant kingdom is diseased, as is the animal kingdom, as is the physical or the mineral kingdom itself. The mineral kingdom holds within it ancient disease-bearing agents created by human thoughts and emotions. All the energies are simply congealed into those germs that modern scientists are busy discovering the viruses and so forth that they think are the causes of sickness and disease 
when really it is the karma of human beings from ancient times and their energies are precipitated into the mineral kingdom. And likewise in the plant kingdom of the plant toxins, the poisons that the plant kingdom had created in order to defend itself from the human or the nature of human malice. And the animal kingdom, the flies and the, and the ticks and the other types of poisonous creatures, the creatures that cause you problems. Our human worries, human irritations, human fears, human phobias on a mass scale precipitated into those animal entities, these divas in animal form that give back to human beings that which they caused in the first place. They are agents of karma. Clean up your lifestyles, clean up your thoughts, be loving individuals, understand the law of karma, understand the nature of the Deva Kingdom, have a better understanding of the chakras and the way they work. And you'll begin to work more and more towards the production of a healthy body. A healer must take into account the factor of death. Not all sicknesses are to be cured. Some sicknesses lead to death. Death is the natural order of things. It's ridiculous to think that somebody died of cancer, whatever it is, at the age of 80, and say that cancer was the cause. Ah, oh, cancer is basically the symptom of whatever was caused, but the true cause was simply that the soul of the individual is choosing to disincarnate, no longer wants that form. The form is useless to it. It's withdrawing its life force. And therefore, the disease-bearing agents can start to proliferate in that body. No matter what you do to that body, the life force will be withdrawn until that person no longer can be there. It dies. And the healers actually have to work with the factor of death as a healing potency. After all, all the religions say there's life after death. It's quite amusing to see these Christians, for instance, who believe in the heaven state, crying and wailing because somebody has died. They should be all joyous and happy that somebody is no longer has a body that's prone to sickness and disease and all those other problems that afflict human beings. Another thing I'll point out in general healing is that when you look at the energy side of the disease, first of all, what you see is a stream, a raging torrent of brown energies or greyish, murky energies coming out. It's not possible to heal the person then when this flood is just pouring out of, of sickness energy. What are you going to do? You apply your herbs or your acupuncture points then? The only time you can actually heal the person is when those energies are starting to abate. The flood is subsiding. And then you can apply your healing mechanism or your techniques, whatever it is, in order to make that flood subside faster so that the disease or the sickness is cured faster so the person doesn't have two weeks of it, they only have one and a half weeks of that particular complaint, of that particular karma that they're experiencing. 
That's all that a healer really can do. There's an old sort of um, um, joke in a sense in the medical profession that sort of states this. Uh, a person's got a cold and it's pretty bad and he goes up to a doctor and wants a pill and, and the doctor gives him the pill and he says, how long will it take before it gets cured of this? And they say, oh, two weeks. And goes away and uh, somebody else comes up and says, how long will I get cured of this if I don't take the pill? And he says, two weeks. Um, the... It doesn't do I mean what I'm trying to getting to is that there's a natural time cycle to do with every sickness, and no m amount of wish fulfilling sort of uh, desire of the patient will allow them to get healed any faster or shorter than the allotted time for those energies that go through the body. If those energies are putrid and they're rushing out like a raging torrent, no pill. No drug is going to stop that. You're going to be sick for that length of time while that raging torrent is coming out. And only when it's stopped coming, when it's crested over its peak, can the healing take effect, whatever it is. The natural healer may sometimes wish to make the torrent go out faster in order to make the healing quicker. But you can't dam it up. What are you going to dam up? Make a big flood of putrid energies inside that body? And some healers do that. When it comes to the orthodox medical profession, most, sick, most, uh, most people suffer not so much from the disease, but the after effects of the medication, the, the wrongdoing of the doctor itself, the ignorance of the doctor. And same often with alternative medical professions. And yes, um, the, the, the healing profession certainly knows sometimes um, the the right gift to give it the right time in order to produce the quicker healing of that particular symptom, but only when that energy is coming down. The healer should not try to dam up putrid energies in the body. Can somebody take out the negative tendency of another person? Can someone take out the negative tendency of another person? That's more psychological. Psychological counselling, and on the whole, the healer, the true healer, um, must work with the psychology of the individual. They must actually look at the emotional distress or the complaint of the person's emotions. First of all, talk about that person's emotions and how they've lived emotionally, um, and then look at the symptoms or that, um, what they've done in order to cause the sickness as a consequence of that, yes. So if a person gives a, another person the right um, psychological counselling, then they're doing far more proper healing than just simply giving a few tablets of this or that uh, drug or herb or whatever it is. Um, far, far more um, effective healing. The best uh, energies, feeling, um, energies, healing or psychology? Psychology. Ah, both. Both are needed. Both are needed. They, they, they basically, if, if the person is just healing as such, what you've got there is an egotist, uh, a healer that, that, that's egotistically applying the healing method. The true method is that that person, the doctor, is actually teaching the person what they did wrong uh, to cause that symptom and then uh, for that person to to work upon themselves so as to not produce those symptoms again. 
basically the doctor should never ever see that patient again uh, because they've actually taught that patient how to heal themselves of that particular symptom. Uh, therefore, um, you give them the psychology and then you put in the energy. Uh, in other words, you talk to them about the psychology and the, the, the causes of the sickness and then you work at the healing cure with the patient. The patient must also work upon it themselves. If the patient's not really working uh, upon the causes of the sickness, what are you really healing? Nothing. The person's immediately going to do exactly the same thing um, to cause um, the sickness. It's like giving a cigar smoker because he's coughing a pill to stop the coughing. But don't tell him that the, the coughing, you're not telling him, you know, well, he quite well knows that the coughing is the cause of the congestion of the lungs of all the nicotine there. Um, while he's sort of continually smoking his cigar, um, you know, day in and day out, and he's coughing away, what's the good of a few things to, um, to try to suppress the coughing? It's just not going to work. You know, eventually that person's going to get sick, and that's all there's to it. You tell him, well, that cigar's the cause of it, but I can't heal you until you get rid of the cigar smoking. Um, and likewise with all the other forms of sicknesses. And the people actually have to learn um, why they are sick um, and then you can give them the healing medicine, but they actually have to work upon the causes of the sickness and to be under no illusion as to why they are sick. And most medical professionals don't do that. They're just simply interested in getting the money of the patient and suppressing the symptoms. I was just going to ask a question about self-healing and um, how you've said that once a doctor's seen a patient once, they shouldn't need to return. For that particular symptom. I guess um, my question is, it obviously takes a lot of self-discipline if one's to heal themselves. They have to continually know what is sickness and the subtleties of what is actual sickness and so then they need to apply their, their medicine immediately whereas the sickness may be actually a tendency which they, they enjoy and it's very difficult for them to actually see it as a sickness. Well, of course, on the whole, this is the problem, isn't it? It's lifestyle. <laughs> and most, most diseases are lifestyle diseases. Diseases are the consequence of a certain person's lifestyle. You know, the person that's smoking the cigar or the cigarette. I mean, you know, this modern world is a medically proven thing that, that these, these things cause lung cancer and a whole host of sicknesses. Um, but they enjoy the cigarette smoking. No amount of warnings on the cigarette pack is going to stop them from smoking. And um, that's the same with virtually every other form of sickness. Generally, no amount of warning is going to stop those people from, from the type of indulgent lifestyles that cause the sickness. What they particularly want is to be able to continue with their lifestyle um, while uh, and somehow avoid the symptoms of, of the sickness. And uh, eventually, they discover that there's no such thing. The lifestyle will produce the sickness and it's inevitable that you'll suffer as a consequence. So you trade off. Uh, most people trade off a certain type of lifestyle that suits them to get a, a what they regard as a minimal amount of sickness out of it, if they, they, they equate the two. 
And of course, most people that are really interested in, 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 in health and vitality, they, they do certain things to minimize the effect of their lifestyle. Some of them do their jogging around the block every morning. They, some people take certain types of herbs and their teas, and, and um, some people sort of concentrate on a healthy diet. Other people sort of busy in the gym working out. Uh, you, know, the, the, you know, there's some real food fanatics out there sort of, um, you know, to producing sicknesses just simply because of the fanaticism in, in their alternative lifestyle methodologies. And um, so most people actually do have a, an idea of, of what they want to trade off in their lifestyle in order to have a modicum of health which will enable them to continue on that type of lifestyle. And for most people in this world, this type of um, trade-off is fine. They know they're going to live probably until about 80 or thereabouts, and um, they know they're probably end up in hospital a few times, and they know they're going to get um, possibly getting their cancers and whatever, and a lot of the people in this society are going to get senile on top of it. Uh, this is their, their calculations of, of what they're willing to put up with uh, for the type of lifestyle and self-indulgent lifestyle that they live, so they continue perpetuating the types of the types of actions that produce the sicknesses. What I'm more interested in is for people to understand that certain types of actions don't just produce sicknesses in this life, but their actions um, produce sicknesses in future lives and some serious sicknesses which they will and must fix up. Our lunatic asylums, for instance, uh, are generally filled up with people who've been playing around with psychic powers prematurely, who've been sort of abusing, um, willfully manipulating other people's chakras and, and personas through psychic powers. Uh, but they can also be sort of um, there because of modern medical drugs. People that are born with, with major, major disabilities um, such missing limbs or or Down syndrome or something like that. Um, this is because of things they've done in past lives that they're now paying for. Uh, in other words, you can shunt and shunt and shunt and shunt through modern medical drugs the symptoms and suppress them and suppress them. But inevitably, the karma that you created must come to the surface in some way that you suffer exactly what you cause and inflicted upon others. And if it necessitates a major, major sickness, a major, major debilitating health problem for an entire life, maybe in a third world country where there's absolutely nothing around you but poverty and distress, um, then that is the way um, you will pay for that lifestyle. The physical plane doctor can shunt and shunt and shunt and suppress your karma and suppress the karma, but inevitably the karma will come out and you'll have to pay for it in full, whatever you did to other people, to other beings on this planet. The only way of overcoming um, this is the law of love, to love and to really understand how to give to this planet, how to generate positive healing energies in everything you do in thought, word and deed. Is our love not egoistic love? Is our love not egoistic love? It can be for many, for many. Many it's a form of selfish love. I give to you because you can give something back to me. Some people, many people are like that. But, but true love it does not relate on the 
self-focused activity true love is just simply um, giving because of uh, the joy um, that's that's experienced in seeing the effect of the give uh, of the giving producing the beneficent results around ultimately even that joy goes uh, because one simply abides in oneself in, in the bliss of, of being and uh, automatically one knows once the gift is given that it produces beneficent results the the true love is that which produces enlightenment consciousness and eventual liberation from the need to incarnate again not just for yourself but for sentient beings because you discover that love is group evolution love is the evolution of the whole and a being can only work for the evolution of the whole if one oneself is to evolve at all um, all sickness and diseases ultimately you'll find the great majority of them are group causes we almost um, do very little on our own um, we interrelate with people all the time uh, we have all types of karma of all sorts of people all around us and uh, so when you're truly loving you're only thinking of the benefit of the whole and as the whole evolves so you self-evolve so you work for the benefit of the whole and you work for the the cleansing and the rectification of the sicknesses and diseases within the planet as a whole and later on within the cosmos as a whole. Um, the individual sicknesses are only a mirror of what is out there. Therefore, you work upon the external first and the internal takes care of itself. Okay, so you're egotistical at first, but later on there's simply a spontaneous arousal of, of the recognition of the sicknesses and diseases in the planet as a whole and you go to meet them. And, of course, you've only got so much energy, so you work out the best arena of, of service work that you can give. For some people in third world, it may be the plight of women, you know, the way that they are downtrodden and so forth. Um, in this society here, it's materialism, the way people abuse the natural resources of this planet for material comforts and, and selfish attitudes. And we can go on and on and on. But as you're always working to, 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 to give, so everything that you do is the engendering of clean, radiant aura. Automatically, your aura is becoming um, vitalized and cleansed because your whole thought is outward pouring. And um, the lords of life pour the energy of love and light within you, and then you pour that same energy out to heal the sickness around you. And as the energy of love and light is being poured in you, where can there be any seed for sickness or disease within you? Um, your aura becomes transformed into a body of living radiant light. The more you learn to love, the more you learn to give, the more you are healthy. Um, because that's all that an enlightened being is, one who's full radiant aura of giving. Therefore, there's nothing sick within that individual because everything that is coming through that individual is going out to relieve the sickness, the disease and the stress of the entire environment in which that individual lives. And when more beings begin to work in harmony and cooperation in this way, so the planet itself it can become a sacred planet and sickness and disease finally will be conquered. Live in love and learn to grow in light. I was just going to ask a question. If sickness was actually um, inevitable and necessary or there would come a time where um, we would die or cleanse our karma in other ways and sickness as it is today would not exist in the human... human. 
St. Paul in the Bible puts it this way, this whole creation grown up in travail of and pain together. Uh, God is imperfect because human beings in the body of God is imperfect. Um, everything is evolving together. So as you work towards the cleansing of your own individual distresses and your own individual pains, and you link it to the distresses and pains of the society which you work in, and the society which you are living in um, begins to realize that um, the cleansing of all of society's distress and pain is for the betterment of the entire planet, and we all begin to work that way, all of human beings, then you begin to find that the human um, family on this earth is part, part of a cosmic family of which there are the arenas in the cosmos of sickness and disease and distress and so the whole creation evolves together um, to heal and this sun becomes a supernova and this galaxy unfolds into a, a brilliant ball of light and it goes onwards and upwards and forwards and outwards into multi-dimensional space until there's no such thing as form left we can go in, into cosmic visioning, but on the whole, um, that is the process. Everything reincarnates, everything evolves together, and wherever there's a, a manifest form, there's a seed of sickness. Beings incarnate because there's sicknesses of past lives to fix up. Gods incarnate because they have sicknesses from past lives to incarnate. That is the reason for creation. And we, human units, are but the white corpuscles in the body of God um, working out to cleanse the dark invaders, the disease-bearing agents. That is what love's all about. Human being can become God then? Oh, of course. Um, both Buddhism and Christianity, I'm certain, certainly Hinduism, um, speaks of that, you know, uh, you know, Paul says, the Christ in you, the hope to glory. Um, you know, the, the Buddhists speak of the Tathagatagaba, the, the womb of all Buddhas and all, and all human sentient beings. Um, and um, the IK Buddhism may be atheistic or doesn't speak of God as such, but when you begin to understand what a Buddha is, and uh, you begin to understand that um, a God is just simply evolved Buddha that's attained a nirvana and gone out into cosmic space and evolving still. There's no such thing as an ending of evolution. Or, of course, I've uh, got this God consciousness. Uh, we can go into a lot of philosophical debates here, but uh, that's another subject altogether, what God is and is not. Of course, as you all know, the principles of philosophy, if the theory is easy, the practice of becoming disease-free is hard. Because uh, um, once you understand that... Uh, the, the need to cleanse yourself of these impurities and you begin to work upon your emotions and your mind and you're working towards God realization or liberation or nirvana uh, you're working towards becoming an enlightened being what happens you're cleansing up the streams of gross pranas within you and you get the sicknesses of the past <laughs> all the karma of the past to be cleansed and so it goes on and on and on so you may be doing all the right things um, but still these things are there because you have all this karma yet um, from all these thousands of lives that come to the surface that must be cleansed. And um, it's only once all of that is cleansed can you move on to cosmic space as an enlightened Buddha, the fully liberated one. And you take all of humanity all with you. 
And that's the essence of the Buddhist Bodhisattva path and also Jesus when he said, I, I ascend to the Father, will take all men unto me. It's the same thing. And so each individual unit realizes that, that they can't cleanse the sickness within themselves until they cleanse their karma and they can't do that until they work upon the cleansing of the karma of the entire human race because they've evolved with the human race. And thus you get the appearance of all the saints and sages of the surf. <laughs>